0: Many, many years ago, when I was 23, I was married to a widow who was pretty as can be. This widow had a grown-up daughter who had hair of red. My father fell in love with her, and soon they too were wed. This made my dad my son-in-law and really changed my life. Now my daughter was my mother, because she was my father's wife. To complicate the matter Even though it brought me joy I soon became the father Of a bouncing baby boy My little baby then became A brother-in-law to dad And so became my uncle Though it made me very sad For if, if he were my uncle Then that also made him brother of the widow's grown-up daughter who was of course my stepmother. (laughs) Father's wife then had a son who kept them on the run and he became my grandchild for he was my daughter's son. My wife is now my mother's mother and it makes me blue because although she is my wife she's my grandmother too. Now, if my wife is my grandmother, then I'm her grandchild. Yeah, and every time I think of it, that nearly drives me wild. Cause now I have become the strangest case you ever saw. As husband of my grandmother, I am my own grandpa. Whoa.
1: Okay, why would I show that? Well, we are studying the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God established a covenant with Abraham, chose to bless them. Why would he choose such a messed up family? He chose normal people. And so while we view the story of Jacob as abnormal, he married two sisters, literally sister wives, And this made their children cousins and brothers and made his uncle his father-in-law and it made a mess. So how does someone become their own grandpa? It's this simple. The song kind of complicates it. If you marry an older woman and your dad marries her daughter and they have a child, that child technically is your brother, right? But also that child technically is your grandchild, so which means if your grandchild is your brother, then your own grandpa. Anyway, turning your Bibles to Genesis 31, enough foolishness. Now is the time for the scriptures, but I I just wanted to make Jacob's family seem more normal (laughs) because that song is more normal in our culture than we care to think, whereas Jacob's story may not be normal in our culture, but it is in other countries. Oh, yeah. Genesis chapter 31.
2: Now Jacob heard
3: the words of Laban's sons.
4: Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what was our father's he has acquired all this wealth.
3: And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable toward him as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field, to his flock.
5: I see your father's countenance, that it is not favorable toward me as before. But the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might I have served your father. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, The speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, The streaked shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And it happened, at the time when the flocks conceived, that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray-spotted. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift your eyes now and see all the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray-spotted, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land, and return to the land of your family.
3: Then Rachel and Leah answered,
4: Is there still any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and
5: also completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it.
3: Then Jacob rose and set his sons and his wives on camels. And he carried away all his livestock and all his possessions which he had gained his acquired livestock, which he had gained in Padan-Aram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob stole away, unknown to Laban the Syrian, in that he did not tell him that he intended to flee. So he fled with all that he had. He arose and crossed the river, and headed toward the mountains of Gilead. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. Then he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days' journey. And he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. So Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains. And Laban with his brethren pitched in the mountains of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob,
4: What have you done that you have stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives taken with the sword? Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and songs, with timbrel and harp, and you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in so doing. It is in my power to do you harm. But the god of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. And now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Because I was afraid, for I said,
5: Perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. With whomever you find your gods, do not let him live. In the presence of our brethren, identify what I have of
3: yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the two maids' tents. But he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household idols, put them in the camel's saddle, and sat on them. And Laban searched all about the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father,
4: Let it not displease, my lord, that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is with me.
3: And he searched, but did not find the household idols. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. What is my trespass? What
5: is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? Although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren that they may judge between us both these 20 years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young, and I have not eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn by beasts I did not bring to you, I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was. In the day the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus I have been in your house twenty years. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you have changed my wages ten times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night.
4: These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, And this flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. What can I do this day to these my daughters, or to their children whom they have borne? Now therefore come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it
3: up as a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brethren, Gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap. And they ate there on the heap. Laban called it Jiga Serjutha, but Jacob called it Galead. This heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore its name was called Galead, also Mizpah, because he said,
4: May the Lord watch between you and me, when we are absent one from another. If you afflict my daughters, or if you take other wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Here is this heap, and here is this pillar, which I have placed between you and me. This heap is a witness, and this pillar is a witness, that I will not pass beyond this heap to you, and you will not pass beyond this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahar, and the God of their father judge between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac.
3: Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread. And they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place.
1: story, Jacob fled his homeland 20 years before this story, fled for his life because he, as a treacherous brother, had betrayed his older brother and made him want to kill him, deceived his father and disappointed him, and so he left home with nothing, and now he's going to go back with great riches. He went, as his mother encouraged him to, to her brother, his uncle Laban's house, and there he fell in love with daughter Rachel and worked seven years to gain her, only to discover the first morning of his marriage, he had been married to the other sister, the one he didn't work for, and in his rage, he went to his father-in-law, and his father-in-law, uncle Laban, said, well, it's our custom here to not allow the younger sister, to get married before the older sister. And so if you want the younger sister, you have to work another seven years, but let's let you enjoy Leah for a week or Leah enjoy you for a week and then you can be with Rachel, but you owe me seven years. And so he worked a total of 14 years to get the wife he wanted. Had two wives who had two servant uh, girls and... Between the four of them, they had 11 sons and a daughter, and he approached, during this time period, he approached his father-in-law, hey, I've worked 14 years, I've gained this, and so they made a new arrangement that he would work for spotted and speckled and striped sheep and goats. This would be his pay. The tradition was 20% of the babies born under your care as a rancher or goat herder or shepherd Those would be yours. So for every five lambs or five kids, one of those would be yours. Well, he, choosing to take the discolored ones, chose a smaller percentage. And he'd had this dream. He had inside information. I'm always glad God can give us inside information that this was going to become the predominant feature of upcoming lambs and kids. That's baby goats. And so... um, He became very wealthy to the point that his father-in-law was not happy with him. So let's just read a few of the verses here. The last verse of chapter 30, thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. So he got more than just goats and sheep. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that is our father's. And from what? was our father's. He's acquired all this wealth. You know, the, the solid color sheep and goats are getting old, and Jacob, you know, is just doing great. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban. Laban wouldn't look him in the eyes, I guess. And indeed, it was not favorable toward him as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. So he's going to go back and make peace with his family. He's going to do something courageous. And the Lord promises to be with him. So he's going home on assignment. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field, to his flock, and said to them, I see your father's countenance that it is not favorable to me as before. But the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might, I have served your father. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streaked shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And it happened at the time when the flock conceived that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray-spotted. Then the angel of the Lord spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift your eyes now and see all the rams which leap upon the flocks are streaked, speckled, and gray-spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel. Bethel is where, in his fleeing, he stopped for the night with nothing, had to use a stone for a pillow, and God extended grace to him with a revelation of this ladder that reached from heaven to earth, angels ascending and descending up and down this ladder, and God is at the top of the ladder. We call it Jacob's ladder, but really it's God's ladder. And God speaks to him the promises that he had spoken audibly to his father, Isaac, and to his grandfather, Abraham. Now, there Jacob was in his unworthy state, and God is extending these covenant benefits to him. Who knows, God has always been a God of grace, true to his promises. And so he woke up that morning and dedicated that place, took his pillow, turned it into a pillar, poured oil on it, and called it the house of God, Bethel. And so God identifies himself as the God of the house of God. It's great to have the house of God, isn't it? But more than that, we want the God of the house of God. Bethel is wonderful, but we want El Bethel. Amen? Amen. All right. So, arise, get out of this land, and return to your family. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Now these sisters have been fighting for years, and now they're unified. There's nothing as unifying as a common offense. They said, Is there still any portion or inheritance for us in our Father's house? Are we not considered strangers by Him? For He has sold us and has completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken from our Father are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. We're with you. They're unified. Then Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives, and no doubt his little girl, on camels. And he carried away all his livestock and all his possessions which he had gained. He acquired livestock which he had gained in Padan Aram, that's where they lived, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep, how convenient. And Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's. We'll see that she was as deceptive as her daddy had been and as her husband had been. (laughs) And Jacob stole away, unknown to Laban the Syrian, in that he did not tell him that he intended to flee. So he fled with all he had. He arose and crossed the river, the Euphrates, and headed toward the mountains of Gilead. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. So Jacob had a head start on him, right? And so Laban took off with his brethren and pursued him. It took him seven days to catch up. And he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. You speak to him. Be careful what you say. Even if it's something good, you better be careful. So this kind of put the fear of God on him. And so he catches up, and in the story, he rebukes Jacob. How dare you do this? I would have thrown a party and all this. And so Jacob does appear on the surface to be, you know, rather a chicken, you know, know, didn't even turn in his letter of resignation, just quit, right? But Laban had been a deceptive, tricky, mean, cruel boss. I mean, how cruel is it to have a man work for you for seven years and then give him the wrong wife? I mean, he was tough. And so I I understand why Jacob did what he did. He had to do what he did. So after rebuking Jacob, then he accuses Jacob of stealing his gods. Rachel took them. Maybe they were fertility gods, and she's, you know, wanting another child. And so uh, maybe she took them. There's no record that she ever gave them back. A few years ago, there was this guy traveling around this part of Texas trying to raise funds to establish a miniature Bethlehem of some sort in America. And he had his display of artifacts set up at the True Great Ranch right here on Old Granbury Road. And in there was some far-out things like clay shoes that Baby Jesus wore, stuff like that. I, I didn't know about that. But in that display was what was called Rachel's Gods or Laban's Gods. And I, I, I did a search, and I couldn't prove that they weren't. Seemed far-fetched. The Nazis had taken this stuff, stolen it, and he had got it back from Argentina. And so now he's wanting to establish someplace somewhere in America. And I think he probably succeeded somewhere. But anyway, um, Rachel took these gods, and when Laban searched, now Jacob said, whoever has it, you can kill him." That's how confident he was. That's how deceived he was. And so when he comes into Rachel's tent, she's got him in the, the uh, saddle of the camel that's not on the camel, it's on the floor. She's sitting on the saddle and they're in one of the saddlebags. And she said, Dad, excuse me, I'm, you know, I'm having, you know, I'm on my period. So please don't make me get up. So he didn't. I and mean, <laughs> he never found the gods, never knew You know, is God into deceiving? No, but he's not into defending idolaters either. So God probably found that humorous. I don't know, but uh, I thought it was hilarious. But to make a long story short, these men made peace. And to establish their peace, they set up a rock as a pillar and then a pile of rocks as a heap. And they named them names that speak of what they had done. These were rocks that would testify. And Laban's team was not to come past the heap of rocks with intent to do harm to Jacob. And Jacob's team was not to go past the pillar and the heap of rocks to do harm to Laban. They made peace. They had a feast ate all night long. Got up in the morning, kissed, and parted ways. Can you say peace? Peacemakers. Jacob made peace. So I'd like to speak to you today for the next few minutes, the Lord willing, on the art of peacemaking 101. Being a peacemaker is so important. Proverbs 12.20 says, Deceit is in the heart of those who plot evil, but joy comes to the promoters of peace. People who promote evil are spreading a net for their own feet. They're deceiving themselves. But if you promote peace, you have a clear conscience, nothing to fear. You can have a childlike outlook on life. It's great. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of of God. Are there any peacemakers in the house? Anybody wants to be? It's not easy. It takes boldness, takes bravery. We're going to learn some lessons from this chapter today. Paul wrote in Romans 12, repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, sometimes it may not be possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Don't look for reasons to fight. You know, sometimes things that are offensive basically hang on how you look at them. So the offense is in my own eyes. How do I look at? People naturally have, they naturally oversee things. They don't look at things. We, we have blind spots. Anybody here ever have a blind spot? We do not intentionally do things the way we do them to offend people. So if someone comes to you and they're offended. Don't belittle the offense. Humble yourself. I had to learn this as a pastor. And someone's offended at me? I offended them. I didn't wake up in the morning planning on it, but it happened. So let's make peace. So as a result of this sermon, if you've got any issues with me, please come to me. The reason I haven't come to you is I, I, I'm, I know I shouldn't be clueless, but I am. All right. Another verse. In Romans 14, let us therefore make every effort, we say every. every, make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Are you sure you've made every effort to make peace with your detractors? Have you, have you exhausted all possibilities of peace? Second Corinthians 13, Paul wrote, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. So, is there an absence of God in your life? Check it out. Maybe may be just a, a need to repent somewhere, and you'll realize God's been with you all along. Make every effort, Ephesians 4, to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And one more text. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews chapter 12 wrote, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. So do your best to live in peace, but not to the extent of living an unholy life. You know, if a person refuses to make peace with you till you get drunk with them, don't do that. That's that's not a reason for that. And Peter wrote, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Who wants to love life and see good days? Seek peace, look for it, and then chase it. Pursue it. The Art of Peacemaking 101. How to resolve conflicts. Number one. Know for sure that God is with you. The Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. This was a scary thing. He's going to go and make peace. Jacob has grown over these 20 years. The hard work has worked some good stuff in him and some bad stuff out of him. The deceiver in him isn't what it was. He's he's becoming a mighty man of God. His name's about to be changed to Israel, which means a prince with God. So go, I am with you. And so if you and I are called to be peacemakers, it can be scary at times, but you need to know that God's with you. You're not alone. You're not, you know, you may be standing there alone in a room full of people that want to eat you alive, but you're not alone. God is with you. He's got your back. Next point unify with those closest to you so jacob sent and called rachel and leah to the field for all these riches which god has taken from our family are really ours and our children's now then whatever god has said to you do it so he's getting ready to go and make peace with his family but now he's gonna make peace with his immediate family his problems are extended family but yet he's had immediate family problems hasn't he No doubt they've been upset at him, jealous of him, envious of one another, and there's nothing like attempting to make peace with someone, and then it turns out someone closest to you is really at odds with you too, and they side with your detractors. So if you're going to make peace with others, make sure that peace is established at your house before you reach out. It's in concentric circles. So Jacob is making peace within his house. Then he's going to make peace with Laban. Then he's going to make peace with Esau and his dad. You see that? So his wives aren't going to turn on him in this thing. They're unified in spite of their difficulties, in spite of what they've had to just take. Injustice happens, doesn't it? Life life isn't fair. They are unified. Jacob unified with them. Next point, begin obeying the Lord together. They pursued God's will together. He set his sons and his wives on camels, and he carried away all his livestock, all his possessions that he had gained to go to his father Isaac in the land. So they went forward together. If you're going to be a peacemaker, you're going to obey God, and you want to do it in unity with everybody closest to you. You want to get away from the conflicts you cannot fix. Jacob did not know how to fix the mess he was in with Laban. So he left at night. He didn't know. And he didn't tell him his plans. Because Laban was a trickster. He got away from it. He couldn't fix it. Sometimes in situations we have to make room for Jesus. It just is. Because every attempt to make peace just turns into a knockdown dragout, a fight, and then... And then I sin or, you know what I mean, start ranting and raving myself and then I undo all my healthy attempts that I was trying to make. And so you make room for Jesus knowing that Jesus can do things that I can't do. Who knows that? He can fix things. And when things get fixed or sometimes never what they were before, but they can be better than they were before, they're definitely going to be different. And so Laban's, his reconciliation with Laban, things never became what they were before, but they became better than they were before. Jacob was free, no longer indentured servitude in his life. When the time comes, you may have to listen to some accusations without interrupting. Don't get all on the defensive. Listen to what the person says. This is what the person believes. This is what they believe. He said, why did you run off secretly and deceive me? <laughs> Got a taste of his own medicine. Why didn't you tell me so I could send you away with joy and singing to the music of timbrels and harps? You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. You have done a foolish thing. I've had to you know, go through great effort for seven days to make it here, to be able to say goodbye. This is so hurtful. Didn't have the benefit of a farewell party, an appreciation banquet, or whatever. Well, who knows whether or not he would have held true to that. But the point is, he needed to be listened to. If you want to make peace, you listen. The person may be lying up a storm, but if they believe it, calling them a liar doesn't fix anything, right? Just listen. Let him get it all out in the open before before you do your defense. How to resolve conflicts. Be humbly honest when dealing with angry people. Jacob was honest. He says, I was afraid. Perhaps you would take your daughters away from me by force. I didn't want to go home empty-handed. I worked too hard 20 years. So, yeah, I I was a chicken. I admit it. That's the best way to express it to Laban. Rather than, well, I did it because you're a con man and get off my property no just just took the took the humble road why you want to disarm the anger and there was truth in this god didn't tell him to leave in the middle of the night he just said go home so the lord would have helped him had he he made his stand that he did what he did With whomever you find your gods, do not let him live. In the presence of our brethren, identify what I have of yours and take it with you. Well, when he couldn't find it, then he got a chance to express himself. In resolving conflicts, we must beware of our allies who could derail everything. Some people who are on your side can take up your offense. You don't want that. That makes it worse. And Rachel in her attempt to right wrongs in her perspective stole some stuff that wasn't hers to take. Her attempt to help Jacob out. (laughs) Jacob didn't know. You got to be careful. At the right time, clearly express your own hurt. Jacob gave Laban a good old-fashioned, pardon my French, butt chewing. He says to him, what is my trespass? When Laban searched the camp and couldn't find anything, what is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? Although you searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren, that they may judge between us both. These 20 years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young, and I have not eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn by beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was in the day the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus I have been in your house 20 years, I've served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you have changed my wages 10 times unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac have been with me. Surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands, and he rebuked you last night. So he got to say his peace, didn't he? Maybe he didn't say it with such passion. Maybe he said it with more passion. Maybe my attempt was lame compared to what he did, but he let him have it. Notice he says, the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac. He calls God the fear of Isaac. God was greatly respected by Isaac. That's why when Isaac was robbed, he would dig a well and then get run off. He just took it on the chin and went on. He knew God was his provider. What an awesome understanding of God. Do not expect, if you're going to make peace, do not expect or demand a perfect apology. Why? Because it never happens. It's not going to happen. We are too broken. We are too sinful. We are too wicked. We are too deceptive to be able even to do that. It's not possible. So take whatever attempt is made to do it. So listen to this attempt. He's severely rebuked by Jacob. What is his response? Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, please forgive me. I apologize. No, he doesn't. He says, these daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and this flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters or to their children whom they have borne? Now, therefore, come, let us make a covenant. Basically, let's make an agreement to not harm each other. There's the apology. There's the attempt. There's a scripture that in Proverbs that says, "A gift in secret pacifies anger. Maybe someone really owes you an apology and they never give it to you, but they've given you a gift. What is that? That's their attempt to apologize. Take it. Don't hold the standard of righteousness so high that one day the day will come when you won't even be able to live up to it. Take whatever you can get. Do you want to make peace or not? Are you tired of the conflict? Are you wanting God's blessing on you on your your way to meet Esau? I'm telling you guys, Jacob is a man of God here. Look for the opportunity to be a pacemaker. Now, therefore, come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. There's the opportunity, and Jacob took it. He started gathering rocks. He did. Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. And then he and his men started gathering stones and set them up as a heap. So they they did the work. Laban just had the idea And Jacob went to work. He took what Laban said and used it. Isn't that awesome? How to resolve conflicts. Do something to help remember making peace. Jacob said to his brethren, gather stones. They took stones, made a heap, and they ate there on the heap. They made a memory. They established something that people walking by generations to come would say, what's that big rock standing up on end? doing and what's that pile of rocks that's pretty high doing what what's what is this and they would hear the story of how laban and jacob made peace they were there as a testimony and allow the other party if you're making peace allow them to help make the peace terms laban says this heap is a witness between you and me this day therefore its name was called galid which points to the testimony of what they had done Also Mizpah, because he said, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent from one another. If you afflict my daughters, or if you take other wives beside my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is a witness between you and me. So he's appealing, Laban is, to God to be a witness to them living up to this. Jacob was not to marry some more women. That would just complicate the whole thing. And he wasn't to afflict them or cause them problems. And honor the Lord by committing to him. So Jacob and Laban make this honor. This is a witness. You will not pass. This heap is a witness, and this pillar is a witness. That I will not pass beyond this heap to you, and you will not pass beyond this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, that was his father, Abraham and Nahor were brothers, and the God of your father judged between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father, that's God, Isaac, that they would not pass beyond this memorial heap and pillar to cause one another harm. They're establishing the peace and honoring God, making themselves accountable to him, doing it in his name. And if we're going to make peace, there's a time to worship, eat, and hug one another. Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain, called his brethren to eat bread, and they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to Padan Aram. Notice that earlier in the story, Jacob is with his brethren, which includes his sons and his servants, and Laban is with his brethren, which includes his sons and his servants. But here they eat bread together all night long, and they're called brethren. The whole group recognize the fact that they're family, and they have an all-night-long feast. And then they had a party that Laban had hinted that he would have done, or declared that he would have done, And early in the morning, Laban arises, kisses his sons and daughters, blesses them, and then he leaves. So when you make peace with someone, try to include God. Try to break bread together. And hug one another. Give one another some affection. And move on. Don't dig it up again. The art of peacemaking 101. What in the world does this have to do with Jesus? Aren't we covering the roots of the gospel? It has everything to do with Jesus. He did all 14 of these things. Watch this. Know for sure that God is with you. If you're going to make peace, you need to know that God is with you. How does that relate to Jesus? He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. You see it? Unify with those closest to you. Jesus walked in unity with his disciples. Begin obeying the Lord together as he began fulfilling his calling. He included his disciples in healing and preaching and baptizing. Doing it together. Get away from the conflict you cannot fix. Did Jesus do that? Oh, yeah. There were times they wanted to kill him and he escaped. He got away. They wanted the Messiah to deliver them from the Romans. That wasn't something Jesus was going to fix. He wasn't called to fix that. The Father would deal with that in another way. So he stayed away from those things that he wasn't called to fix. Maybe our problem in peacemaking, we get in dabbling in stuff we're not called to. Listen to accusations without interrupting. He'd let them blast them, and then he would give them the truth. Sometimes just a question would settle the whole matter. Be humbly honest when dealing with angry people. You can't take my life. I'm laying it down. I am a king. I do hear what they say. That's Jesus. Humility and honesty. And beware of allies who could derail everything. Do you realize Judas probably saw himself as Jesus' best ally? He's going to help bring the Messiah out of hiding and deliver them from the Romans. I'm going to set it up. I'm going to make money in the process and force Jesus into a situation to show his real power to the world. Who knows? The last verse of John 2 The last two verses of John 2 said Jesus didn't trust himself to any person because he knew what was in mankind. So beware of those helpful people. Beware of being coddled when you're offended. Well, I don't want to be rebuked. I don't want to be told what to do. I just want to be prayed for, so I'll feel better. No, do you want to feel better or do you want to be better? We want to be better, right? So Jesus did these things. At the right time, clearly express your own hurt. Often it was with his Father in the Garden of Gethsemane in praying. The ultimate hurt was separation from his Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do not expect or demand a perfect apology. Does Jesus do that? Did he do it on the cross? No. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If you find it hard to forgive someone, why don't you pray for God to forgive them? That's a good starting place. Every time the hurt comes up, pray, Lord, forgive them. Forgive them. And then let him deal with it because he ever lives to make intercession for us, right? Look for the opportunity to be a peacemaker. Jesus did not miss his opportunities. The trial we're in because of fallen humanity, sometimes it's those closest to us, as painful as it is, it's an opportunity to express what a child of God is like. Blessed are the peacemakers. They're called the children of God. Jesus did not miss his opportunity to make peace between God and man. Do something to help remember making peace. What did Jesus do? He took part of the Passover meal. And establish what we call the Lord's Supper. Do this in remembrance of me. This bread is my body, which is broken for you. This blood is is the blood of the new covenant. This blood is the new covenant, which I have poured out for you. Not just so that our sins are forgiven, but so that we have an unbreakable relationship with God. And allow the other party to help me make peace terms. We get an opportunity to repent and ask for forgiveness. And to make a commitment to him. Lord, as you help me, I'm going to walk out obedience to you. And honor the Lord by committing to him. Jesus allows us to come to terms with the call to repentance. And he committed himself to his Father in paying the price for our sins. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Committed it to the Lord. He did this for us. This is the gospel. Worship and eat together and hug one another. After his resurrection, he would walk through walls. He would walk down roads. He would express himself to people and show them love. And on at least two occasions that I can remember, he ate with them. This is what people who make peace do together. Because when you're all hurt and bitter, you don't feel like eating anything, right? So, celebrate. Christ did these things for us. So in conclusion... I just want to settle on knowing for sure that God is with you. I, I know I've, you know, a lot of information has come your way. And, and if, if you get too much information, then nothing happens. You know, you can lay on a bed of nails, but no one can lay on one nail. So let this be that one nail. May it penetrate your heart. You're called to be a peacemaker because God is with you. Emmanuel, Jesus is with us. And he is our peace. In talking about the conflict between Jew and Gentile, Paul wrote the Ephesian church, chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace. Talking about Jesus. Who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. We used to sing this verse, part of it anyway. He is our peace. He has broken down every wall. He is our peace. He is our peace astride. He is our peace. He has broken down every wall. He is our peace. He is our peace. Cast all your cares on Him for He cares for you. Yes, He cares for you. He is our peace. Cast all your cares on Him for He cares for you. He is our peace. He is our peace. Almighty God, we come to you asking you to turn us all into peacemakers in this season of division in the world and in our nation and in our homes and in our community. Lord, may we be peacemakers like never before. Lord, may your word come alive in us in our hearts, our minds, and mouths, and lives, and in our relationships. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you in advance for the fruit that your word is going to produce in our lives as you make us peacemakers. Lord, may we be called the children of God. Not that we call ourselves that, but that others call us. Lord, may they say, you know those people? They're they're God's children. They're peacemakers. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen.
2: When I walk through deep waters, I know that you will be with me. When I'm standing in the fire,
1: This is God's word to some people here today. Maybe not you, maybe all is right with you, you're walking in peace with everybody, thank God for it, pray for the rest of us. But you know in your heart of hearts as you're not. Uh, This sermon came to me so easily, was interrupted with a vehicle issue that was discovered Wednesday night in driving one of the church vans, so took it to have it serviced and uh, went to one place and discovered what the problem was, and went to another place to have it remedied for less money. And so between those two places, this this thing was created on my phone. I usually don't do sermons with working with my phone, but I did. I didn't have pen and paper, and the phone has my Bible on it. And so after it was done, pretty much, I just said, Lord, where, where am I needing to make some peace? And two names came to mind, two men, that I have been sideways with, basically because of the season that we're in. Who knows, this has been a, such a divisive, you know, terrible. And so I called one, and it was easy. Oh, yeah, we're, we're good. It was fine. And um, I thought, okay, I'll, I'll reach out to the other one later on today, and it was told my vehicle was was going to be coming out front, so I was going to go out front to look for it, and I looked back to see where the service manager was, and there stands the other guy at the counter. (laughs) So as soon as he was done, I said, hey, can we talk? Well, he's there waiting on his vehicle. So we sat down, and here's the words that came out of my mouth. I never thought of this before. Brother, I'm so sorry for hurting you, and I apologize for not being more of a peacemaker in our relationship. <laughs> so he had some things to say, and I listened and apologized, and we made peace. Hallelujah. Well, I sure wish you'd come to me. I don't know. I don't know that I'm supposed to go to you, so you have to, you're to. you going to have to be the brave one in that situation. I promise to listen anyway. The Lord bless you and keep you, The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. As you go out to make peace everywhere you go, may you never forget you're not alone, that you're doing the will of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Go get him, Tigers.